Now, the second part of this is I'm going to ask Samson Hannon to come up. If you don't know Samson, he's responsible for your Chick-fil-A sandwiches on uh, here in Easton. <laughs> man, that's messed up, Samson, man. You just, man, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm going to have to think about that. But uh, Samson uh, is going to come up and share sort of uh, what God has challenged him with in the past and, and how he walked through it. And before he does that, I would like for him to introduce his family. So my littlest one is up in his class, but my wife and son, Hannah and Gideon, are up on the balcony. Uh, Hi, <laughs> um, So as Eric said, I'm Samson. Um, I've lived here for four years now. This has been, this has been my home for <laughs> at least three of them. Uh, <sighs> so I was sitting with Eric. The other day, we were doing sound check and talking about the book of Genesis, and I'm terrible at speaking, so I apologize now. Um, and I was just talking with him about some stuff that the Lord had shown me in my life. Uh, so about, I'd say about a year ago, uh, I started noticing that my trust in God was not what it had once been, uh, that it was waning. And I kind of got a little... I don't know, uncomfortable with that, right? I mean, God, you just get all the trust. Um, so I'd go in, I'd have my quiet time, I'd sit down, I'd pray, I'd start reading the word, and I would get nothing. Um, and it's the Bible, it doesn't return void, but I was getting nothing. I mean, as soon as I'd stand up, it was gone. Like, what in the world? What's going on? Um, sorry. See, and I'm the sound guy, and I put the mic down. How bad is that? Uh, <laughs> So, of course, you know, I'm reading out of my favorite stuff. I'm reading out of Psalms. I'm reading out of Proverbs, you know, trying to get some inspiration, some hope, or reading out of Revelation. You know, there is a plan. We're going to make this work. Uh, and I wasn't getting anything. Uh, and as it went on, like, I'm starting to get depressed. I mean, like, seriously depressed. This is my God, and I can't talk to him. Like, he's not giving me anything. Uh, I mean, Hannah and I, she, I mean, my wife knows. I went to counselors. Like, I was losing it. Like, it was just driving me crazy. Um, then one day I'm having my quiet time and I'm done. And I'm like, God, where are you? Because I'm here and you're not. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait a second, you, uh, you know, I'm an idiot, but that's okay. Um, so he directed me to the book of Genesis, which is where Eric and my conversation was starting. Um, now I've been to Bible school. Right? I mean, I graduated with an advanced biblical studies degree, whatever that is. Uh, I've read Genesis probably a dozen times in, in my growing up in the church and all of that. And somehow, um, in my desire to not look like an idiot to scientifically minded people that I would encounter in the street, I had just flushed the book of Genesis. I'd been like, oh, those are some cute morality lessons that Moses put together and whatever. And the Lord was really trying to tell me that Genesis was super important, that it wasn't just some throwaway piece. Um, and I couldn't hear it because, again, it was just some stories. Uh, now, I was unable to grasp this, right? God kept telling me and kept telling me after this, and I couldn't get it. So finally, he was like, you know what? Go buy this book. So I go on Amazon, I buy this book, and this book is thick. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you're going to make me read this whole thing? This is going to be rough. Uh, and I open it up to the first introductory thing, and I'm going to read that for you guys here. Uh, 
The author says, the book of Genesis is probably the most important book ever written. The Bible as a whole would surely be considered as the book that has exerted the greatest influence on the history of the world from any book ever. The Bible, however, is actually a compilation of many books, and the book of Genesis is the foundation of them all. If the Bible were somehow expurgated of the book of Genesis, the rest of the Bible would be incomprehensible. It would be like a building without a ground floor or a bridge with no support. The books of the Old Testament narrating God's dealings with the people of Israel would be provincial and bigoted were it not set in the context of God's developing purpose for all mankind, as laid down in the early chapters of Genesis. The New Testament describing the execution and implementation of God's plan for man's redemption is redundant and anachronistic, except in the light of man's desperate need for salvation as established in the record of, my, of man's primeval history recorded only in Genesis. So as I began studying Genesis, obviously this is like, wait a second, this book I've been pushing to the side is the most important? Okay. So I'm starting to dig into it. Um, and I, as I started reading it, and I'm trying not to interpret every little story as just some cute morality lesson, but actually take it for what it says. Actually say, okay, this is what the Bible says happened. And if God's word doesn't return void, and if it's God breathed and all of that, then this is what happened. And I need to read it, and I need to accept that this is what it is. It has provided a breadth to the scripture that I had never experienced before. Um, and it really illustrates how deep God's foundation was laid for our salvation. Uh, so I'm going to give you a, a little, I consider it world-shattering example of this. Um, now, I can't came, claim credit for it. I'm just bringing it to you. Um, in my studies, I came across a gentleman named Chuck Misler who was reading through the genealogy of Noah, which would be from Adam to Noah, all of the male line there. And usually when we translate names, we transliterate them. We just say, well, this makes this sound, so this is how you get Adam, right? We don't actually take them and say, well, Adam means man, right? We don't translate the names. Well, in Hebrew, the names are very important, and that translation is vitally important to who you are as a person, right? Um, so, I'm going to go through that genealogy with you really quick. Adam translates to man. Seth, appointed. Enosh, mortal. Kenan, means sorrow. Mahalalalal, the blessed God. Jared, shall come down. Enoch, teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, the despairing, and Noah, rest or comfort. Everybody remembers Methuselah, his death shall bring the flood, right? So that's, I mean, every name actually has a very important meaning. Um, so the lineage of Noah translates to literally this. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing rest. Literally, the gospel message, the message of Jesus Christ is squirreled away in a little genealogy hidden off in Genesis. That's how deep God's plan is for us.
Let's all bow in prayer now just <laughs> as we close. <laughs> wow. Good stuff. That's all I got, yeah. He dropped the mic on us. It's important that we understand that everyone has a story. And not every one of our stories here are one of great conquering and unquenching, unquenchable, I don't know if that's right, faith. Many of our stories are like this. Questions, doubt, fear. But when you press in to God, when you press in and you don't go the world's way, the Lord answers you. If Samson hadn't have pressed in and sought help and looked for encouragement and not ran away, he would have lost that peace that he was searching for. So this morning is going to be a bit abbreviated for me, but I think it's interesting in that chapter 5 of Genesis goes into that story of a bunch of names. Now, I'm not going to read them all, but what I am going to, or I'm not going to explain them all and translate them all for you, but what I'm going to say is this. I have been one that has been guilty of like, you know, when you get in those, uh, what is it, Leviticus and Numbers, when you get into all the names, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so who was so-and-so begat by this, and it's just like, all I hear is uh, Charlie Brown's teacher, But it is important for a number of things. One, it shows you that people are important to God. Your name is important to God. Who you are is important. And so for God to say that it is important that these people's names be showed there, both good and bad, there is a reason for it. So you have value. Have you ever, you know, I'm just going to have to tilt my hat a little bit. You ever you know, been an article or something that you know that you had something to do with it. There's a bunch of people's names listed. You ever just look for your name? Come on, just be, uh, you know, just, I don't know. Or there's a picture, there's a slideshow of a place you're going. Are you looking for if your best friend's there and the shot's good? No, you're like going, oh Lord, am I in it? I'm hoping sort of maybe, but if it's, I hope it's a good picture. I sort of feel like that about the Bible with me. If God continues his story, which he does, I, I pray I'm in it, and I pray that it's a good picture of my life. I pray for you that even if you're struggling in faith or maybe have no faith, that you would know where to turn. I'm going to be brief in this, but this is going to be sort of a, a, a gut punch of division, Kelsey shared with us a thing about separating the sheep and the goats. The Bible is not written for cowards. It's not written to just feel flowery about it. The Bible speaks truth, and the truth often hurts. Let's read in chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generation of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, I can't help but Old Spice every time that goes off in the service. That's ADD for you. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. So Adam and Eve were created. God blessed them. It was good. There was, there was difference. Now, our world has gotten so 
corrupted, and it shouldn't surprise us that people are have grown into so much dysfunction and so much uncertainty and so much be who you are that they don't even know who they are anymore. It is the church's job not to go, there's just man and woman and you should just do that. Our, our thing is to say that you're created in the image of God, that God loves you and that there is some important value for learn for that. And I just want to share with you who Jesus is. The world doesn't need our judgment. The world needs our love. Verse three, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived on lived were 930 years and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all of the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahaliel. Canaan lived after he fathered Mahalalel, <laughs> there you go, Samson, 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. There's just a sequence here. Let me, I didn't even plan this. We're all gonna die, all right? That's just the truth of it. Now, in those days, they live longer and I don't have time to say why all that is, but everyone has a perishing point. When Mahalo lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalo lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalo were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were written were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That'd be my dream, man. I'm scared of dying. Some, and some, I, don't, I want to go quick. Just imagine being so close to God that all of a sudden he's like, yep, come with me. Come with me. And that was Enoch. It's different. So I want to talk to you about a tale of two men named Enoch. Two men. If you would recall, Cain, I think the third in his generation, son's or great-grandson name was Enoch. Enoch went just after his father, Cain, and his, or his great-great-grandfather, Cain, and he went and did things his way. A city was named after him, and he walked in his own knowledge. He walked in his own ways. So Enoch did that, and you really don't hear anything more of him. This Enoch, the Enoch that came through Seth, 
The Enoch that came through Seth, we hear about two other times in the Old Testament and a couple times, which we're going to read real quickly in the New Testament. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death as he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he commended he was commended as having pleased God. What a great story. The tagline on your tombstone, he didn't have one, but he pleased God. She pleased God. In Jude chapter 14, he's also mentioned, and it's interesting, they're very careful to delineate between the son of Cain, which was the third generation, and the son of Seth. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all of the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch was saying, God's coming. Enoch was a preacher. He's like, God's coming. And there will be something to pay that you think living on your life on your own and just doing it your way works for you. This is not the story of the Bible. Frankly, when I do things my way, it does not work for me. And Enoch said this. In Amos chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. There are two Enochs in this room. There is Enoch that is born after the, um, the son of God that God has came and redeemed, that you have a privilege in being a part of the kingdom, that you decided that you're going to follow after God's ways and have God's heart, not perfectly, but you're walking in it. This is, the, this is like the lineage of Enoch of the seventh generation. But there's also in this room those who might have just said, I'm going to do it my way. I don't believe, I'm not even going to take time to study who God is. I'm just going to listen to a short YouTube podcast about, that's critical about the faith, and that does it for me. And you're going to walk your own way. And, and here Amos, the prophet, is saying, there will come a day when you're thinking you're fleeing the lion and you run into a bear. And then you run into your house, you think you're safe, and you get bit on a hand by a snake. The Bible's difficult. I'm not going to mince these words. He's saying there will be a day where there will be a separation of those who trusted and who walked after their heavenly father or those who followed their earthly father, so to speak, in the ideas of Cain and walked in what and did what was right in their own eyes and justified their sinfulness and said, it'll be all right. I have nothing to worry about. Matthew 24, 37 says, For as were the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. They're foreshadowing the second coming of Jesus. 
And we live in a world right now that being a Christian is the bottom of the totem pole. It's not in fashion. It's not in vogue. It's not cool to say. It's actually rebellious, which should, for some teenagers should work for you. I was rebellious too. I'm not saying that. But following after Jesus requires a change of the earthly pattern and walking in newness of life. It requires a new heart, a new mind. It requires obedience to God's word. It's not saying, I've got it all figured out. I've got it together. I can walk through this. I can walk through this difficulty. Samson didn't leave it alone up here. He talked to people. He sought when he was struggling. He fought the, the, the test of faith. Or are you just like, hey, it's cool. I'm just going to waddle in my own lack of faith and maybe it'll be okay, maybe it won't. The world does that. The world's come to a, such a place of debauchery, none of us should be surprised. We are though, aren't we? Can't believe it. I can't really believe it. I mean, my dad said, and I had to really give it a lot of thought, like if you'd have known in 30 years, let's just say shoot back 30 years, what this world will look, will look like now and the things we'd be arguing about, it blows my mind. But the problem, I think, yes, it rests with Cain's third line of Enoch, but I think it also rests on are we going to be people that followed after the Lord and does what's pleasing to him? Matthew continues on, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So this morning, if you're in a place where you're just like going, God, whatever. Maybe you're here because you have to be. And just going, God, whatever. I want you to know there's hope. There's hope for you. This story has a great ending. Isaiah 55 lays out the welcome so beautifully. And I don't think his kids are here today, but one of my dear friends from the past, Greg Stoltz, sang this, a song, created a song made after this. So 55.6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Do you hear the welcome? Do you hear the warning? What's it say? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. Let the wicked forsake his ways and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon if you're here this morning and you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, maybe you're just in a season of rebelling, maybe you're in a season of doubt, we, we, do not, we do not look down on you for that. But here's what I will say. There is a warning in the Bible that you do not have all the time in the world. You just look how quick Kobe's life was gone. Just, you look at people around here you know locally, just gone. Maybe friends from school, gone. Just like that. And their days ended. None of us are given 
eternal life at this point, except for when, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Are you going to accept the invitation? Are you going to continue to look away? Christian, this morning, where's your heart? God also says in Revelation chapter 3, it says, God stands at the door and knock. And that knock can get irritating when you don't want to answer the door. You ever try to hide in your house? I got wood floors. They creak. You know, it's like I've been in, and I've just like been in one of those spaces. I don't want to talk to somebody, and I've been in the side room, and someone will come in the house, and they just come in our house for whatever reason. We just come in our house, and I'm like going, oh, God. And I can't move because these stinking, creaking floors. There's that kind of discomfort for me when I'm running from God. And he stands and knocks. And he said many a time to this, this guy right here, Eric, I know you know the truth. I know you know how you should be walking. Trust me in this area. Where are you this morning? Are you trusting God in this area, what God's knocking on? Are you inviting him in for relationship? Or are you just going to sit there frozen until the knocking stops? Genesis is a story about beginning, betrayal, and blessing. I pray that you get to the blessing. Would you all please stand? If you're new here to Oasis, we just want to share with you that we take communion. If you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, we invite you to come. If you have not, uh, we invite you to stay put, hang tight, or just walk by the elements. But we also encourage you to, what the biblical aspect of communion is that if you have an issue with your brother or sister, if things aren't right, that you need to go to them first and then come to communion. It's also a time for regular attenders to give back of tithes and offerings. And there's some folks up here that would love to pray with you. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus, we invite you to come. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love and ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be like Enoch who walked with God and was no more because he pleased him.